Welcome to Calvary Live. We are so glad you could join us through our podcast. Here at Calvary, we want you to live life at the highest level through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope today's message will be an encouragement. I want to share some miracles as we get started today. We're in a series about miracles. Miracles are not a theory. They are the nature of God. I want you to understand that. Miracles are not just what God does. That's who God is. You know, when you really love someone, the acts of kindness that you do for them are not just acts. They're an expression of your love. When miracles happen, it's not just something religious or something unexplainable or something just that's random. It's the nature of God. And I believe right now that God wants to do something in this room. I believe there's an anointing for miracles happen right now. I believe there's an anointing for miracles for those of you that are online. I want to share a testimony of someone that's in our church family. You know, we've been hearing about miracles every week. And I want to start with some right here. Here's the uh, official doctor's documentation. I'm not going to read the name. They asked to remain uh, confidential. It says, Dear Sir, I love these kind of letters. I am writing to inform you that your recent lung CT showed a stable right lower lobe nodule compared to the one a year ago, the date, with a likelihood of becoming active cancer. The doctor says the cancer's gone and that the healing of God has taken place. There you go. There you go. I want to pray with you right now. I believe God wants to do some miracles in this room at this very moment. I believe that while I'm sharing the word with you today, God's going to do miracles for you. I have a real sense online that you're lined up for a miracle today. Now, the Bible says sometimes according to your faith, so be it. There's that blind man sitting on the roadside, and he heard, Jesus is coming by. And he began to shout at the top of his lung, it's my time, Jesus. It's my day. There's something that happens when you encounter the real God where you just take the risk to believe. You know, a lot of people have stopped wanting to take the risk to believe. I'm going to tell you, I don't have every answer about miracles because I'm not the source of miracles. But I know the God who does. So I want to pray right now. I believe healing is in this room because Jesus is here. And I want to encourage you, if it's appropriate, to put your hand on the place of your body where the miracle needs to happen. If it's your head, it's your heart, it's a joint. I sense God's going to heal blood diseases. Just put your hand on your heart right now. There's some neurological disorders that need to be made right. Just put your hand right there. In the name of Jesus, Father God, I thank you right now that you're no respecter of persons. That this miracle testimony of someone in our church family right now this wasn't a miracle a decade ago. It wasn't a miracle a century ago. It wasn't a miracle from 2,000 years ago. It was a miracle from this week, Father God, in the name of Jesus. I loose the gift of healing and the gift of miracles, creative miracles, the gift of faith in this place, in this moment. God, I believe now bodies are being healed. I believe now in the authority of Jesus' name, miracles are happening. Not only miracles of healing, but miracles in families, miracles in homes, miracles of deliverance, miracles, Father God, of guidance and wisdom and provision. Father, we are not in a new day. We're in your day. 
maybe our faith needs to become new. Maybe we need to be renewed in our faith, but you're the same yesterday, today, and forever, Jesus, and you're walking in this place. You've stepped into this moment and released your power to heal, sign, wonder, miracles right now. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Father. Let's just thank you for that right now. Father, we thank you today. We praise you. Why don't you just raise your hands and say, Lord, I celebrate and thank you for who you are and what you're doing in this moment. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. I praise you, God. I thank you, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, God doesn't need any help from me. I can tell you that. And I'm certainly not trying to do it. But maybe this is new to you and you might not know what's happening. I just witnessed the Holy Spirit saying, there, there's someone here today, there's, a, there's an unusual heat or warmth coming on you right now. That's the power of God. You're sensing the Holy Spirit working in your life. Again, I, I, God doesn't need my help. I'm just relating to you what the Holy Spirit is saying to me so you'll know what's happening in your body right now. There, there is a heat, a warmth. I want to tell you, celebrate that. God is healing you. There's a miracle happening right now. Thank you, God. doesn't always happen that way, but for someone, that's happening like that right now. Thank you, Lord. God, we give you thanks. We give you praise. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. You know, before we go on, God is, God is verifiable. He's documentable. You don't have to say a word. I'm not going to ask you to speak. Get up and talk. But if you sense there's something supernatural going on in your body right now, you sense God's moving, something's happening here, would you just lift your hand so we can give God thanks for that today? You say, Pastor, I sense something's going on, all right? Who else right now? You said, I sense something. Anybody else? I'm back over here. Here's three. Anybody else? Here, 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 here. You know what? He's God. He's, we don't have to be afraid to say, God, here we are. Come on, let's not give him a little. God, we thank you for that. We thank you for it. We thank you for it. We thank you for it, God. We thank you for it, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's just the beginning. How many hear what I'm saying today? That's just the beginning. Let your faith rise up as we go through this. You know, I had an incredible blessing this week, unexpected blessing. I was doing a little research on miracles, on miracles, and... uh I was just looking through the Assemblies of God archives. We're a part of the a Fellowship of Churches, the Assemblies of God Fellowship of Churches. And I was just looking at some of these things. We're a full gospel Pentecostal fellowship. We have been one of those that came out of the Azusa Street Revivals. Just looking at some of the miracle testimonies. And, uh, and, and I was happy and stunned and pleasantly surprised to come across this. And you'll, you'll understand in a moment. Some of you will get it right away. This is a... Uh, a miracle for a Mr. Ivy Hill from Dallas, Texas, and uh, says that uh, this happened uh, 55 years ago. He was listening to a radio program called the Morning Worship Hour. It's a daily radio broadcast from Oak Cliff Assembly of God by Reverend H.C. Nolan. Anybody know who that is? That's Phyllis's grandfather. I didn't know. I didn't. I had no idea. This is where it's going to read. It said one morning in uh, 1957. So that's more than 55 years ago. After listening to the program, he felt prompted to call Pastor Noah. He told him about his condition and asked him to pray, which he did. Later that same morning, he received a call from Miss Mamie Faust. Now I remember these folks, okay, who was the minister of visitation for his church. Now, now let me tell you something. A lady pastor in that day on any staff anywhere was unheard of. But Grandpa Noah was a man of God. And he didn't look 
through what everyone else said, he saw what God saw about people. This was an amazing lady. I, I, let me, I gotta go on. She asked him about his health issues and then told him he needed to come to church. They did that then. He did not have transportation, so she said she would come for him. They did that then. Well. After lunch, he heard a knock on the door. It was Mrs. Faust. They did that then. In his wheelchair, he went to the door and invited her into the living room to pray for him. They did that then. I'll stop saying that maybe. Hill reported, she laid her hands on me and something like an electric shock went through me. He did that then. Hill said that right there, he met the Lord and was saved. Sister Faust promised to come back that evening and take him to church. What did I say? They did that then. When Sister Faust returned that evening, Mr. Hill, his wife, and a daughter all were dressed to ride with her to church. When the altar call was given, Ivy Hill hobbled forward on his crutches to make a public profession of the faith he already had received that day. They did that then. On Friday, on Friday, Sister Faust again took the hills to church. They did that then. I'm sorry, I can't help it. The Bible study that night was led by Raymond Brock, the associate pastor. He focused on Hebrews 11 and having faith. Mr. Hill was determined to believe God for healing of his many ailments. When the altar call was given, he went forward and began praying that God would take away every affliction, and he began to name them one by one. The Lord met him there. When he got up from the altar, no one needed to help him. He left his crutches behind and no longer needed them. He gave up a tobacco habit he had had for 50 years. He no longer needed his medicines. He was healed. Prior to that time, Mr. Hill said, he was taking as many as 25 doses of medicine a day. He took a narcotic every night to go to sleep. But from that day forward, he never took one more medication. He slept all night that night and felt great in the morning. When his wife found him in the kitchen, quote, he was shouting and having a big time. I think I would be too. What about you? (laughs) Uh, eager to witness for the Lord. Let's see, I, I missed something here. Uh, well, I, I, uh, anyway, let me keep going. Eager to witness for the Lord, Mr. Hill was handicapped because he had never learned to read. Before his conversion and healing, he could only spell a few little words. But within a few years after he was saved, he miraculously could read his Bible. Never learned to read, but he could open his Bible and read the Word of God. We called Phyllis's mom last night, and she said, I remember Brother Hill, and the first thing she said, God enabled him to read the Bible when he couldn't read anything else. <laughs> Previously, he could only walk a few feet at a time. But after his healing, he started going from house to house with gospel tracts, witnessing to others. They used to do that then. He promised the Lord he would do all he could to spread the gospel He declared, for the past five years, I have been a new man. I have health, happiness, and heavenly hope, thanks to the Lord who changed my life. This healing testimony was endorsed by Pastor H.C. Noah, who my grandpa, her grandfather, but I adopted him too. This is one of the greatest testimonies I have ever witnessed, Brother Noah shares. What a name for a preacher, Brother Noah. Come on now. I just, I just, just am jealous of that. 
uh, amazing, amazing. It said that sometimes they would send a bus to pick up dozens of children that Brother Hill had invited to church. Come on, somebody thank God for miracles. <laughs> thank you, Lord, for miracles, miracles, miracles. Let me tell you, I love to talk about miracles. Anybody's faith rising up? I felt the Holy Spirit said, give some miracles today. Don't just, yeah, let me share some more. Uh, Recently, a missionary family was sharing this testimony. They're missionaries in Romania. See, miracles come in many ways, not just physical healing. Miracles are when the laws of nature are superseded for God to step in and do something supernatural. This this, uh, missionary couple had been working in in an area, a remote area of Romania. And as they, uh, this is since, you know, the Iron Curtain fell and communism uh, was pushed back, I believe, by the power of God and, and the work gospel began to come into these former communist satellite nations, Romania, one of those. And as uh, people were being saved, the churches started, they'd been announcing throughout the village uh, that 40 people were going to be baptized in water, the little local river that was there. And they were all excited. And the day came to have the water baptism in the river right there in the middle of this village that had been an atheist village. And, and so uh, as the day came, there had been weeks before this day where there had been drought in this area. And it came day for the water baptism and the little river was down to ankle deep. But everybody still came out to be baptized, and there were 40 new Christians standing there looking at the missionaries. And as it began, to, uh, people stood there and realized what was going on. The, the town skeptics began to come and make fun of them. The missionary told the, lo- the, the, the local pastor, said, you begin to uh, worship and pray, and we're going to go in the, in the church. We're going to kneel and begin to seek the face of God. Man, it was all on the line. This is the first water baptism in the history of that little city. And there was no water. So they're praying, God, we need a miracle. God, we need a miracle. In a few moments, they began to hear a noise of rushing water. And water began flowing down and filled that that riverbed up. And to the shock of everyone, they go in and baptize these 40 new believers. They come out of the water and they begin to preach to the skeptics. In just a moment, the water's gone and it's dry again. Well, they had a revival in that city. What they found out was way up in the mountains, there was a reservoir that had become too full. And on that day, unexpectedly, the person in charge said, we've got to let a little water out of this reservoir. At the exact moment when they're praying and God's name is online, the water comes down and fills the river. And as soon as they're done, it's gone. We serve a big God. I know another testimony of a missionary we know in Africa preaching the gospel in a huge crusade. There was a woman that lived in that area that was so demon-possessed, everyone was afraid of her. It reminds me of the, demon, the demoniac of Gadaria that lived in the tombs and no one could chain him because of the demonic power in his life. And this lady was shunned and hated and recognized by everyone. They were frightened of her. She was horribly demon-possessed. But on this night of this huge outdoor crusade where thousands have gathered, this demon-possessed woman, ravaged by demons, desperate and hungry, snuck into the shadows at the back of that crusade and heard the gospel preached for the first time. And when they gave the invitation, the, 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 the missionary says he didn't know what happened, but it looked like the parting of the Red Sea. 
this woman was walking to the front and when they recognized who it was, everybody was getting out of her way. She walked to the very front and knelt and confessed Jesus as the Savior and the Lord of her life. The demons were cast out. She left free and whole. The next night, she comes back in her right mind clothed, clean, fresh, and gives her testimony, and the place is stunned at the power of God. And she is so thrilled with what God has done. She said, you know, I have relatives in a, in a distant area from here, and they don't know about Jesus Christ. So this former demon-possessed woman who had been ravaged for years by Satan's power, goes to this next area. She walks for days to get there, and she has a Bible. Now, here's what she would do. She would go door to door with her Bible, and she had some verses underlined, and she would knock on the door. See, she didn't know how to preach, but she had been saved and met Jesus, and her life was changed. And she would knock on the door and say, please don't be angry with me. I'm just a, a, a poor older woman, and, and, and I can't read. Could you, could you read this for me? Come on now. And so she had underlined Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Oh, if you wouldn't mind. Uh, there, there, this one is underlined. Would you read this for me? Romans 6.23. But the God is the grace of God. You know, he forgives all of our sins. And then she said, Romans 10. One, one, one more. Those that call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. She said, you know, Jesus did that for me. Would you like for him to do that for you? And so they wondered about this woman who had left so soon after being saved, healed, delivered, filled the Holy Spirit. And after a few months, she comes back to him. They said, oh, how are you doing? How are you doing? She says, oh, I'm doing so wonderful. She says, but I got a problem. They said, oh, no, what's happened? She said, we have a church. And we need a pastor because I don't know what to do. And they said, well, how did you build a church? And she told them what I just told you. I've just been going around door to door knocking on the door. Would you read this for me, please? And, and I have a 100 people who've gotten saved. Would you just send a pastor? We have a church there. We serve the God of miracles. He's the God of miracles. There's nothing too hard for him to do. He does it now. He does it wherever we will allow him to. And I want us to continue today to understand why. Why? How he does this. Why he does this. And for you and I to have faith to allow God to flow through our lives. I want you to turn to John chapter 3 with me. John the third chapter. Uh, and and let's, let, let's look at the very basis the, uh, of who we are and how God operates. I, I want to say this again. I said it a couple of weeks ago. Christianity is an inherently supernatural faith. Christianity is an inherently supernatural faith. There is no way to explain our faith without the supernatural power of God. I, 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 I wonder, I, 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 I struggle with why anyone in the church, any group, any, any church, any, any, any fellowship of churches, any denomination would, would wrestle or, or resist or be uncomfortable with the fact that he is the God of miracles. Because we are at our very basis a miraculous people. I want you to understand that. You're a miraculous person. Being in this place, being online, this existence of this fellowship, this family of believers, it's supernatural. John chapter 3 verse 1. Notice it. Now there's a man of the Pharisees. This is the leading, most highly educated religious people in Israel. Are you with me? There's no lack of biblical familiarity. So... A man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council, 
He came to Jesus at night. He had to sneak there because his colleagues had decided Jesus was a threat. Rather than clearly recognizing him from the scriptures that had prophesied him from Genesis to Malachi, they resisted him. And so this man is torn. Maybe some of you are today. He was pulled by his traditions and his allegiances and his position. He was torn by that and what he was recognizing in his heart had to be real. And so he comes to Jesus and he says, Rabbi, we know, we know those opposing him, his religious colleagues, those that accused him of even doing what he did by the power of the devil, said, the truth of the matter is, when we get behind closed doors, when we're really being honest, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. How did the skeptics know that? Church family. For no one could perform the miraculous signs you are doing if God were not with him. Has there ever been a more skeptical generation than the one you and I live in now? Has there ever been a greater need for the power of God to be up front, present, visible, tangible, operating than the generation we are in right now? He said, we can't deny it. We can't escape it. There's no way to get away from this. You're from God. Now watch this. Watch this interaction. Verse 3. It is it, almost as if Jesus interrupted the question. He says, in reply, Jesus answered, uh, uh, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he's born again. He said, you're tripping over something supernatural because you're trying to get there in the natural. You're, you're, you're torn between earth and heaven. You're trapped in this pool between the supernatural and the natural. You're trying to understand a God who is bigger than your understanding. You are wrestling with a God who can't fit in the boxes of religion. So he says, sir, unless you're born again, you can't even see the kingdom of God. Listen to me, uh, uh, educated, modern, North Alabama. Are you with me? Come on, listen, listen. So he said, uh, verse 4. Now this is the highest educated man you can find. He says, born again, verse 4. How can a man be born when he is old? Nicodemus said, surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. What do you mean born again? That's impossible is what he's saying. What do you mean a doctor wrote a letter and said there was cancer and there's not cancer? A man can't get out of a wheelchair and now he runs all over Dallas telling people about Jesus. A demon-possessed woman becomes a preacher. What do you mean? Verse 5, Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh. Flesh gives birth to flesh. But the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. We are an inherently supernatural faith. 
We are only members of the kingdom of God. We are only Christians, not by who our grandfather was, not by where we go to church, not by a card I filled out, but by coming to Jesus and surrendering my life and saying, I'm not the answer, you are the answer. I believe you died on the cross in my place, shed your blood so I could be forgiven. Three days later, God the Father miraculously physically raised you from the dead and I put my faith in you. When that happens, do you know what occurs? The Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of us where we were spiritually dead and now we are no longer the same person. Oh, I've got the same body and unfortunately got the same cotton picking mind. Pardon my Arkansas language. I have the same mind, but on the inside, I'm born again. I carry the Holy Spirit in me. And if I will walk with Him and surrender to Him and live with Him and follow Him, He begins to renew that mind. And what was my problem begins to become an ally in my life. Is everybody with me? We are supernaturally born of the Spirit of God. That's the beginning point. That's where it starts. There is no beginning without that. You can be a church attender, you can be a Bible owner, you can get your name stamped on it, you can get, you can stamp anything you want on that Bible. You can stamp Apostle Jim, you can stamp Prophet Jim, you can stamp Pastor Jim, you can stamp Bishop Jim, you can stamp Elder Jim, you can stamp His Holiness Jim, you can stamp Pope Jim. But until you're born again, you haven't even come into the kingdom of God. So miracles are not strange to us. We were born again by a miracle. We came into the kingdom by a miracle. It's not just something that happens. It's the nature of the God we serve. Is anybody with me on this thing? See, miracles reveal the nature of God. I'm going to keep moving. i got to keep moving here. So, so, so what happens here? What do we see? I want you to see this today. This, this is what I really want you to get as you study this New Testament, as you, as you not just read it, but you slow down with it. And you read and you pray and you think and you read and you pray and you think and you read and you pray and you listen. You begin to see patterns. We begin to understand the nature of God and how He operates. You begin to read the Gospels and you, you, you look at the book of Acts and what do you see? You see this God combination. Hear me. It, 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 for some reason, the church has stepped back from it and I believe Satan wants to distort it. But listen to me. This God combination of grace and miracles. Remember I told you the word miracle is, is uh, translated from the Greek word dunamis. That word dunamis is used 120 times. In the New Testament. It was their standard operating procedure. It was the way the church operated. With the power of God. Sometimes translated power. Sometimes translated miracles. Sometimes translated wonders. Sometimes translated signs. Sometimes translated mighty acts. Dunamis. But the interesting combination. You have to see this. Is grace. How are we saved? By the grace of God. Unearned favor. Undeserved favor. Unqualified favor. Are you with me? How many are thankful you got it when you didn't deserve it? My God. I'm so thankful. But I want you to see in the wisdom of God there is this connection between grace and miracles. Grace and the demonstration of God's powerful nature. 
See, only God could do this. It, it reveals his wisdom, his love. It reveals his mercy. It reveals his authority. See, let's look at this again. Let me take you back to where we studied last week. Just to read through Mark chapter 2, verse 1. Please find that with me. Mark 2, verse 1. Whatever you use to, to read the Bible. Mark 2, verse 1. I don't care what you use. Just read it. Come on. Somebody say amen. <laughs> just read it. Just read it. Mark 2, verse 1. Watch this. Watch. I'm going to try to move through these verses a little quickly. I want you to see God's wisdom, this divine connection of grace and miracles. Are you with me? I believe it may be the very missing link in what would bring an awakening to this nation, to your family, to my life personally. Everybody with me? So watch this, Mark 2, 1. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, now I said I read it last week, I'm, I'm, I didn't forget. I, I'm doing this on purpose, all right? Okay. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. Watch this. This is what a, an awakening looks like. Are you with me? Watch this, verse 2. So many gathered that there was no room left, not even outside the door. That's awakening stuff. And what happened when they came? He preached the word to them. Got me? Awakening stuff. Let's keep reading. Some men came bringing to him a paralytic. We know this wonderful story. Carried by four of them since they could not get to Jesus because of the crowd. That's a whole sermon right there. What's keeping people from Jesus? Let's, let's keep going. Because they could not get to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus. And after digging through it, lowered the mat the paralyzed man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith. Now watch this. We're talking about this divine connection of grace and miracles. Are you with me? Listen. Miracles create a platform for the gospel to be preached. Throughout the gospels in the book of Acts, the way that cities, regions, nations were transformed, miracles would lay a platform, cause the attention of people to hear the message of the grace of God. Watch it operate here. So, so what happened? When he sees their faith, verse 5, he says, Sons, your sins are forgiven. Grace. Do you see grace? Here's grace. Now watch this. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, Why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God? Well, if you're God, you're not blaspheming. Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that, was, that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Watch this. Watch this. Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and take your mat and walk? He says, you're trying to separate grace and power. See what religion does? Religion doesn't get grace and power. Are you with me? Watch this. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, to release grace, so that you will know he can release grace on earth. He said to the paralytic, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He said to prove to you that grace is real, I'm going to heal this man. To verify that I can give you grace, I'm going to show you power. Is everybody with me? And so what happens? Uh, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone. And they praised God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. Do you see grace and power working? Go to Mark chapter 16. Let's go to the Passion Translation, verse 15. Mark 16, 15. I read this last week as well. Don't think you are heavy. 
Mark 16, 15. Passion translation. You ready? Let's look at this from the Passion translation. He said to them, as you go into all the world, preach openly the wonderful news of the gospel. In other words, as you go, freely, open, share the wonderful news, the good news of the grace of the gospel to the entire human race. No one left out. Verse 16. Whoever believes the good news and is baptized will be saved. And whoever does not believe the good news will be condemned. That's very clear. Verse 17. And these miracle signs, you see grace and power come together? He said, you're going to go preach the grace of God. I want you to preach the grace of God to every human being on the planet. Right? And he says, this is what I'm going to do to give you a foundation to declare the authenticity of grace. For people to know that grace is real and available, this is what I'm going to do. These miracle signs will accompany those who believe. They will drive out demons in the power of my name. They will speak in tongues. We still do that. Verse 18. They will be supernaturally protected. Come on. From the coronavirus. From snakes. From drinking anything poisonous. And they will lay hands on the sick. Heal them. Wow. Verse 19. Grace and power. Grace and power. After saying these things, Jesus was lifted up into heaven and sat down at the place of honor. At the right hand of God. See, from that place, he, uh, the, the, everything had become his footstool. And all authority in heaven and earth had been placed in his church. Is everybody with me? Verse 20. And the apostles, what did they do? They said, well, let's just do what he said. They went out announcing the good news everywhere, the grace of God, as the Lord himself consistently worked with him. Can I tell you something? God will verify his word. God will authenticate his word, validating the message they preached with miracle signs that accompanied them. Do you see the divine combination of miracles and grace? Miracles and grace. Do you know why God... Sins, miracles, and power to demonstrate it because grace is not normal. Grace is not normal. No other religion has grace. They have works. Christianity has grace. I didn't earn it. I didn't go to the cross. I didn't shed my blood. I'm not worthy of it. But Jesus paid the price. And you know, we live in, a, in, in, in such a self-focused, self-centered culture today that people don't know how to give grace to each other. People don't know how to receive grace. In, in, in our culture today, it's so sad. We're so divided. Nobody is for anything. Everybody's just against something. Come on, anybody with me? You can find a real Christian. Christians are the last people on the planet for anything. We're just against everything. Are you on my side or their side? Are you this or are you that? Where are you? Who are you? I'm going to tell you there is something about grace that disarms humanity. There is something about grace that disarms religion. And because we struggle with it so... See, everything we get today, we earned. Or we deserve. Or you owe me. Or somebody has to give it to me. But, but, but when we, we encounter grace, we begin to see this. See, Satan fears people understanding grace. He fears it. So what does God do? God says, I'm going to, you're going to preach grace and I'm going to confirm it with a miracle. You're going to preach salvation. I'm going to validate it with a miracle. I'm going to show people that say, hey, that's not Jesus. He said, I'm going to show you who Jesus is. I'm going to heal. I'm going to deliver. I'm going to save. I'm going to show my power. And people will say that grace is true as well. 
this hurting generation needs to be reminded there's someone bigger than them. Can somebody say amen? You and I need a God that will step into our impossibilities and remind us that He is God and that He is able, that He can do all things when we give Him opportunity. See, miracles, say it, let's, let's say it like this. Miracles release the faith to receive the grace of God. You see a miracle and your faith rises up. Come on, doesn't it? When I told you about those miracles, didn't your faith begin to rise? Didn't you begin to sense that? Didn't we sense the Holy Spirit come in and say, I'm going to confirm this? Didn't people raise their hand and validate that God's grace and power is working in this place? Absolutely. 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 Listen, let, let, let me, I got to keep moving because I want you to, I, I want to make this personal with this. L- listen to this. So we see these miracles release faith to receive the grace of God. Miracles, the supernatural signs and wonders, were the platform upon which the gospel was preached. Church family, that hasn't changed. That hasn't changed. And you know, preaching the gospel is not just standing up on a platform behind a pulpit on a Sunday. It's just telling someone the good news of what God's done for you. Someone said it this way, it's just one beggar telling another beggar where you can find some food. Can you do that? Can you do that? It's just one beggar telling another beggar where food can be found. It's just one person who's found the grace of God telling another person, I know where you can find grace. I know where you can start all over again. I know somebody that will love you just like you are. Start right where you are and make this happen. But as I, as I read this, as I study this, I, I see this salvation, this grace and miracles working together. But, but I want you to hear this. Hear this closely. This next, this next point. These two things I want you to get today. That, that as I study and look at the patterns throughout the Bible. Hear this statement. Miracles cluster. Miracles are manifested. Listen to me. On the boundary lines where the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of hell clash. Miracles happen on the frontiers of the kingdom. Pastor, what in the world are you talking about? Well, let me explain this to you. Israel had wandered in the desert for 40 years. Is that right? Not because they were supposed to, but because doubt had locked them there. They were behind schedule. How many hear what I'm saying? Ultimately, their doubt and murmuring. How many hear what I'm saying today? Doubt and murmuring. Do you know doubting and murmuring is not cool? Don't, don't impress somebody with your murmuring. Don't throw a pity party. Don't turn a testimony service into a poor me service. How many hear what I'm saying? You have to be careful with testimonies. I love testimonies. Nothing's more encouraging than a testimony. But when it turns into a testimony, I'm out. You ever heard those? It's It's supposed to be telling, look what God has done. Look what the Lord has done. Get up, get up. Get up out of that grave stuff. Come on. But I heard too many of them turn into, well... That devil's been after me all week. Somebody pray for me, church. That's not a testimony. That's discouraging. I've told you that before. You've heard that. You've heard those things. And then it's almost like, top this misery. You know, one person stands up, I've had a hard week. The devil's been after me. (laughs) My children won't listen to me. (laughs) Then the next one stands up. Well, the devil's been after me. For a year. <laughs> My children hate me. <laughs> That's not church. God will hear that prayer. God cares about those things. He can change those things. That's not a testimony. 
Don't, don't glorify that stuff. Don't, 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 don't go there. See, see what happened. 40 years of that, listen to me, and they lost the promise of God. Do you know God will make a promise, but you have to respond to that promise? Do you know just because God promises doesn't mean it's going to necessarily happen? So wait a minute. If God said it, God said it. I have to take hold of it. See, see uh, the Bible says he would have all men saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. Is that what the Bible says? Is everybody on the planet saved? No. Nope. Well, God said he wants them to be. Why aren't they? They haven't said yes. Haven't said yes. It's his will to save everyone. Do you understand that doubting and murmuring and unbelief can rob you of everything God wants to do in your life? So watch what happens. They 40 years, they never get there. All right? So the next generation goes up. Now, for 40 years, they, listen, they have sustaining miracles. It was a miracle. Feed 2 million people every day in the desert, that's a miracle. Nobody got sick, that's a miracle. No, nobody's clothes wore out and nobody's shoes wore out. Ladies, I know that's a nightmare. A husband's answer, ladies' nightmare. Let me go on. I'm sorry. That was bad. Okay. Miracles. But those miracles became commonplace to them. They don't even recognize them as the hand of God. And so they lived in this thing. But this next generation got ready to go into the promised land. Are you with me? And as they went in on the frontier of a new season, on the line of the Jordan where the Hittites, Hivites, Jebusites, Amorites, Jebusites, were living on their promises, as they stepped into a new place, as they finally moved to the frontier of their faith, are you with me? A place where these kingdoms are going to clash, then they began to see new miracles in their life. All of a sudden, they saw the walls of Jericho fall down. They began to see these men who were former slaves walk in, and they would a thousand. They could they could route a thousand. One man could route a thousand. It was an amazing move of miracles. You understand that as we move forward, as we move to the boundaries of the kingdoms, miracles are waiting for us there. If I live back in comfort or disobedience or even satisfaction or average or commonality, if I get settled, if I get secure, if, if, if I live it safe, I'm not in that place on the edge of the boundaries of the kingdom. Everybody with me right now. You say, well, pastor, what does that look like? You mean I got to leave my house and, and go to Siberia and preach? No, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about uh, just doing things like this. Let me ask you, what are the edges of your faith today? What are the boundaries of your life? Where has God been asking you to do something and you're still thinking about it? Go walk over there and say yes. Surrender to Him. Stop living in where I've always been and keep moving along in this gospel. Is anybody with me? When people say, why aren't there more miracles? I think I have the answer. Why aren't there more miracles? Because too many of us are satisfied where we are. The miracles are on the boundaries of the kingdom. When we are willing to say yes. When I never said yes before, I meet God in that place in a brand new way. When I'm willing to go face giants that have intimidated me all my life, God is going to become a giant killer God. We are satisfied serving a beggar God. We are satisfied. Just give me some food to eat and a place to sleep and clothes on my back. And that's all I want. Where God says, that's not who you are. You're a giant killing, territory taking man or woman of God the miracles are on the edges of the boundary line
How is America going to change? How, how are we going to have real social justice? How are races going to finally love each other? How are we going to respect each other? How are we going to have better police? How are we going to have better government? How are we going to have better issues? When the people of God move out of where we've been and love somebody I've never loved before and listen to somebody I've never listened before and put myself at risk in my comfort zone, the miracles are waiting on the edges of where I say yes where I've never said yes before. That's where the miracles are. I don't need a miracle to lay in bed. I don't need a miracle to sit in my lazy boy. I don't need a miracle to disobey God. I don't need a miracle to compromise. I don't need a miracle to play it, to, to play it fat and sassy. I need a miracle to get up and go where I've never been before. Listen, I'm not talking about going across the ocean and around the world. I'm talking about going across the street and around the corner. That's what I'm talking about I'm talking about miracles where we live. <laughs> Some young single persons. You said, well, I ain't had a date in two weeks. I think I'm going to take old loser Larry up on that invitation. <laughs> I'm going to tell you, honey, there are no miracles in loser Larry's car. <laughs> there are no mir- miracles down there at the club. You want to find a miracle? Quit looking for a man of God in the devil's backyard. Quit looking for a woman of God in that crowd. You want to find a miracle? Say yes to God. You want a miracle? Wait on God. You want a miracle? Obey him farther than you've ever obeyed him. You want to find out if he's Jehovah Jireh? Tithe for the first time. We all want miracles. You're going to have to move. You're going to have to get to the edge. You're going to have to go to the edge of the boundary. It's not going to happen sitting where I've been sitting for 20 years. It hasn't got anything to do with my age. It has everything to do with my obedience. Where are the boundaries of the kingdom of God in my life? Where are the, are the lines, the frontiers of new territory in my life? That's where the miracles are. I well, want the worship team to join me. I want you to stand with me today. We, we, we need to pray before we go. Come on, we're early. Everybody relax. I want you to stand with me. Worship team, come and join me. The, the place where we have to be, the stand we have to take. Does everybody understand? Am I, did I make that clear enough, plain enough, where we live enough? Let's stop. I'm not... You know, there are people God's calling. I thank God out of, out of this church into, you know, five-fold ministry, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. We pray for that constantly. But every one of us have frontiers waiting to be conquered. Everybody with me? Of faith. Forgiving that person you were never willing to forgive. Wow. You want to find a miracle? Walk into that miracle right there. Remember Joshua, when he finally got near Jericho, there was the angel of the Lord standing there with a sword in his hand. Ah. <laughs> From a distance, they couldn't tell, is he for us or against us? I find that <laughs> delayed obedience, that's the same thing as disobedience. You know, when you keep saying, I'm going to do that someday. Well, you're dis- disobedient as a guy who said, I'm never going to do it. With me? 
It's when I obey. It's when I step across the edge of the boundary I never faced. I find a miracle of God waiting for me there. Provision. Deliverance. Healing. Restoration. You know, it's what, that's what the Christian life is supposed to be. This faith journey. Paul says, though outwardly, I'm wearing down. I don't confess that yet. But on the inside, I'm being renewed every day. So you understand, you 80 years old, 80 year olds ought to have more faith than any of the rest of us. We need you. We can't afford for you to stop. We can't afford for you to retire your faith. It's okay if you want to retire your job. That's all right. Then go into ministry full time with me, all right? You young ones, you know what I really sense? Several times in the last few weeks have I been praying. I've said, God, you know, I'm, I've been pastoring this church a long time. <laughs> been here a long time, God. I said, I don't want to outlive my effectiveness pastoring this church. Because it's not my church. It's his church. And I said, the greatest honor of my life after my family is to serve you as the pastor of this church. And I said, I'll never stay one day beyond when you want me to stay. So, and, and I don't think I'm like there. But this is what he said. He said to me, there's a great need for the Joshua and the Caleb's to lead this new generation in. You young guys, I want to pull you in. I want you to hear the miracles and see the miracles. I, I, I want to lead you into promised land. I want to take you into an awakening of this nation. I, I want to, I, I, you know, I, I don't want to ease, slip, barely make heaven. I want everybody at Calvary. I want us to have such a reputation in heaven that when we hit, they say, here comes another one, look out. And we hit the brake at the pearly gate. We don't crawl, we hit it. We pray to God we don't slide out of the back before we get stopped. We just go hard. Your faith growing, your hope growing, your influence growing, your knowledge growing. We need each other across the generations. We need each other to see this thing and make it happen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. You can connect with us live each Wednesday and Sunday through our social media pages. If today's message has blessed you, please rate and review us so that more people can hear this message of Christ. Find out more about Calvary on our website at calvaryassembly.org.